0: That was pretty much the sermon, so I don't know what I'm doing now. <laughs> good job, yeah. We're going to be in uh, Psalm 46. Our children can be dismissed to Children's Church if they'd like to go or if parents would like to take them out uh, in the lobby in that direction. They'll get uh, directed their, to their way. So good to see you all here today. So good to see so many kids and families and friends and it's, uh, it's amazing. Just take a minute. I, I, I did this a minute ago. Maybe it was creepy. I don't know, but uh, look around. Just look around at, at who's here. Say hello to somebody next to you and say, Hi, I'm glad you're here. No, 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 it's not the greeting time again, okay? But it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing, right, that we can come together on a Sunday morning and, and be together with others who love Jesus and want to grow and learn and, and know Him more. So uh, it just thrills my heart to be able to be be here every, uh, every Sunday and be with you, um, and it thrills my heart to look at God's Word and make much of Him, and uh, that we all get to be pointed back uh, to Him. So again, we're in Psalm 46 uh, this morning, and uh, we're continuing through our, our summer in the Psalms, and uh, we'll, we'll go through the entirety of Psalm 46 together here in a few minutes. So I'd just like to take a minute, we're going to go ahead and pray, and uh, then we'll get to get to work on this Psalm. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that You love us in spite of us, Lord. We're grateful that you have provided a way for us to not be at war with you, to not be enemies of God, but to be friends of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for what he offered, the forgiveness of sin. When he died on a cross, when he gave himself for us freely, Lord, that there was an atonement for our sins offered, and God, the gift of God, which is eternal life, was sitting right there for us. So God... I thank you that that so many, I know so many here today have opened that gift, have received the Lord Jesus as their Savior, have believed on Him in in repentant faith, and and God, you are everything. And God, today as we look to your Word, I I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we'd be receptive, God, that that maybe there's some things going on in our lives that that are going to uh, be exposed and need repenting of. God, maybe there are things that are going on in our lives that are just struggles right now, and God, we need... We need a greater faith. We need to strengthen our faith. So God, I pray you'd help us to do that today, to strengthen our faith and our trust in you. And God, ultimately, that our hope, our hopes and our dreams, God, our our ultimate desires of our heart would be fully satisfied and realized in you, knowing that you are the triumphant one. God, I ask that you would help me decrease and help you increase now as we look to your word that God, we would become conformed into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ, be more and more like Him. Because of it, we would yield our hearts right now, and we would exalt You. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in Psalm 46. Before we get to that section and read the entire psalm together, um, I just want to kind of give us an overview of where we've been, right? Uh, In this section of Psalms, and Alistair did a great job last week of kind of laying out uh, this section in the book number two of the Psalms, uh, in this section, we've seen the psalmist who, who is personally sunk down low and, and downcast in soul. Remember when he preached himself, why are you so downcast, my soul? Right? And, and he's, he's all the while, though, remembering that there is a faithful love of God that is enduring. That There's a faithful covenant nature of God that God says, I love you, I see you, I'm pursuing you, and I will not let you go. And so he recalls that even in his lowest time and lowest moment that God has still got a hold of him. And that was chapter 42 and chapter 43, he's sunk down downcast. Then in chapter 44, he moves from individual despair to more of a community despair. As he he has come uh, to to understand that, that Israel feels abandoned by God. They're they're despairing despairing over the, the absence of the king that they so much desire. They want the king to win in their heart and in their lives. They want him to rule and reign. They want to be safe and secure in him. And then what we see is this promise revealed in Psalm 45, which Alistair did a great job of last week. As, as Psalm 45, Israel is finally overjoyed by the presence of the righteous king that she has always looked for. And, and, and as yes, there was a time in history where a king came to the rescue. They look forward to the time in history where the king of kings will come to the rescue, where he will be the perfect king that we all need and, and not a king we deserve at all. This is the hero king whose whose victories, whose marriage to his kingdom are celebrated. And this king is certainly foreshadowed as Jesus Christ himself. He is the king of kings. And now that the king of kings is on the scene and has joined himself to the bride, they celebrate and they do not fear. Even as today we'll see uh, apocalyptic destruction, crazy destruction upon all of the earth, and its nations takes place, it is because they are enjoying the stability within the city of God and and the presence of God himself that they have protection and they have hope. And this will bring peace to their heart now and peace to their lives forevermore. Now, I don't know, you know, as I I looked at this text, I, I tried to figure out, like, what God, this is just a big thing of, like, we look forward to a great hope one day, Jesus wins and sometimes that's really hard for us. So I want you to understand, like, I, I understand the struggle of trying to apply such a grand text. And, and here's what I would tell you, that, that you and I, I know that we are struggling, right? There are times in, in life where we struggle. And, and the struggle that I'm really talking about is not just, I'm just struggling because uh, I, I didn't make my, my bills last month, right? That's a struggle. That's real. But the struggle is really that, that we're here, and it's, it's such a wonderful feeling to be together and to be with people who are like-minded and believe similar ways and and the same things about Christ and that we we lift him up and we celebrate him and he's like yay Jesus and it's this small little taste right here of what heaven is going to be like right a small little taste it's like we want that and we know that and we can't wait for that but then we leave we walk out the doors and it's not the same anymore is it and there are struggles left and right and And we struggle in our faith. We struggle to to look around as we look around, just like the psalmist did. It's here for us to know we're not alone. As the psalmist walked out of their synagogues, out of their temple, out of their time of worship, they walked into a society and a culture that said, you're worshiping in vain. Your God isn't real. Your God should be this idol. Your God should be this person. Your God should be this interest. Your God should be this pleasure. And they'll feed you it all day, every day, if you want it that struggle is real. There's a struggle for our heart and the allegiance of our heart and the affections of our heart. So I know that, that it's, it might seem hard to apply this, but, but we all struggle. And, and we're going to see very clearly today, This is a, Psalm 46.10 is that famous verse, like, be still and know that I am God. You, you know, know that verse, right? Be still and know that I'm God. And we say it, and oftentimes I think out of context. It's like, I just need to be still. And I've, I've had it before where I'm like, I'm going to go find a spot up in the woods and a quiet spot and just kind of find my spot and be still and know that God is God. And that's, I mean, that's good. It's grand to do that. It's grand to quiet things down and get free of distractions and to, to find yourself amongst God's creation and be like, wow, he made that. That's amazing. He's huge. I'm not. It's, that's good. But that's not what this verse will imply the verse is this, that even though we struggle, as we struggle, as it is a struggle, there's a war going on for the affections of our heart. Even still, he says, it's not not be still, it's stop your fighting and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. You know what the application is for us? And, And even before we start today, the application is this, as we walk out those doors, we do everything we can to know and remember that he will be exalted And we do everything we can to exalt him and not exalt ourselves as we go out. That's the application. He will be exalted. So stop fighting. What does that fighting look like? It's that struggle of like Satan saying, you should exalt yourself. You're good. You're awesome. You're you're okay in your own skin. You should have that. You should want this. You should feel this. That's the struggle. That's the war that we're against. And God's like, no, no, no. Don't exalt yourself. Don't exalt those things in in your view. Exalt me. I will be exalted. So stop you're fighting. So this psalm in, verse, in chapter 46 is a, a passionate and even at times seeming, seeming defiant tone like against the troubles and struggles of the world and it's said to have been composed during a time of, of crisis and it's kind of an unidentified or unknown uh, time in particular but some are speculating that this was a conflict of King Hezekiah and the Assyrian king and, and God prevails over the Assyrians when he wipes out 185,000 of them protecting Israel. And so there's certainly things to be worshiped about God because of that. And so you'll see some of that. And I would encourage you to do some of that study on your own and find some background. Uh, today, we're looking certainly at the, the, the bigger implications this might have. And those implications are more eschatological, in times impl- implications, right? These are uh, more eternal implications and applications that we're going to see As we go through the text. So we're in Psalm 46. If you would uh, follow along with me, I'll read it in its entirety and then we'll start and break it apart. For the choir director, a song of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with turmoil. There is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage. Kingdoms topple. The earth melts When he lifts his voice, the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. This is the word of God. As we look at this text today, we're going to look at God. The title today of the sermon is God is a fortress or is our fortress. Uh, we we could also title this that God is with us. And and you see that very much at the end of verse 7. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And then verse 11, the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, the helper in times of tr- uh, always found in trouble. So today, uh, God is our fortress. And we're going to look at three different areas that we see God is with us and as a f- is a fortress over us, right? Number one is this. God is our fortress as creation itself comes to an end. As creation itself comes to an end. You know, part of the struggle that we have is we need to be in control. We need to know more things. We need to be in control of our surroundings, and even learn more about science and education and math and everything. So we can be more on top of our game. And certainly, those are great things. We send our kids to school to learn those. They excel. They can be uh, productive members of society. But there's a point where where we get so much knowledge. You think about back to the Tower of Babel, where where the world came together in their mighty knowledge and their mighty language and began to build towards heaven. And God's like, wait a minute, I'm going to confuse you. This is not what you ought to be doing. And he, and he separated the languages and separated people groups at that point, right? He's like, you're going too far. You, you're, you're, you're struggling almost against God in that sense. And so there's a point where we come to, like, we, we can fix our society. We can fix our climate. We can fix all the wars that are going on. We can fix this. And we spend a lot of time struggling in that area. And, and I don't think that diplomacy is bad and, and stewarding the earth is bad. But, but here's what the text says. Let's go to Psalm 46. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Verse 1 is really the promise here. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is, what's the word here? Always found. We search for so many answers in so many different places, and we, we don't, sometimes we don't find them. If we really want truth, if we really want the answers, who is it that's always found? The Lord. He's a helper who is always found in times of trouble. So this promise resounds and says he, he is our God, a, a fortress, a shelter, a refuge, a helper in, that's always found in times of trouble. So because of that promise, look what the psalmist says in verse 2. Therefore, because of that promise, therefore, we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid. So there's a promise to hold on to. We do not have to fear. What do we not have to fear? That's, that's the next question, right? Because these are the things that we fear. These are the things in our struggle we try to control and and make better and and learn how to avoid. And I would say many of them are unavoidable. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though, or even though. So it's not like if these things happen. You catch that in the text? It's not maybe if this occurs, then we won't have to be afraid. It is we, We don't have to be afraid even though this does occur. This is occurring. Point number one was, as creation itself comes to an end, That is the real truth about what's going to happen. It says, though the earth trembles. It says, though the uh, mountains topple. This word topple, hold on to that. It's going to be one that you you see a lot of toppling going on, a lot of falling down, right? So even though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, and then it talks about the sea, though its waters roars and foams and the mountains quake with turmoil. And, And there's a Selah right there. And remember that Selah is like, you, you soak that, let that sink in. Let that be a pause to really think about what we just said. Right, what just happened there? We don't have to be afraid because, or even though, because he is our shelter, even though when it happens, the earth trembles, the mountains topple, and the seas roar and foam. Do we see that happening all around us? Absolutely we do, don't we? You see, more... Earthquakes, more hurricanes, more fires, more desperation. I mean, Los Angeles has had a hurricane, the first one in, what, 83 years? Do you, do you see the earth unraveling? Scripture would say this is the birthing pains, that it will eventually come to an end. I know we, want it, we, we should be very good. We should be the best stewards of our planet, by the way, as Christians. This is a, a planet God created and gave to us. We should steward it well. But it is broken from the fall. And it will unravel and end, and God will melt it and create a new one one day. And as it happens, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We have a helper who's always found. Isaiah 55. To seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Call to him while he is near. You and I, as we have things going on all around us, uh, are, are in trouble it seems but God is not far away God says seek me now you'll find me now I am I am near and and do it while I might be found listen things are coming to an end now is the time to seek the Lord while he is near and while he is ready to forgive it goes on in that passage in Isaiah let the wicked one abandon his ways and the sinful one his thoughts that's what we need to do that's what we need to be about Abandoning our, our sinful ways, saying, I am not gonna struggle anymore with my pride and my ego and my and, and my sin. I wanna I wanna give that up to the Lord. He's he's the one that's a st- strong tower. And we give it to him. Okay? I'm gonna pause there for a minute. Nuria, can we can we help, sweetie? Nuria, do you wanna help for a minute? Okay, well, we'll get back in it here. Let's say another prayer for Rodney. God, we, uh, we just pray for Rodney. God, we pray it's nothing and this will pass. God, we pray that you um, will just be healing him right now, and God, using uh, our wonderful people in our church just to come alongside him and assess um, what his next, his next need might be. So uh, we trust you with him, and we praise you still even with our day. It's foreign to you, God, but uh, we know we can rest secure in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we were in Psalm 46 uh, we were talking about seeking the Lord while He might be found, right? Um, going back to we, we see uh, all, all around us natural disaster. We see the earth unraveling, and 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 I, I would I would beg you that you don't sit on a fence, thinking I have more time. This will get better. That while the Lord can still be found, that you would seek Him with all your heart. You would go to Him, and you would you would let the wicked one you abandon your wicked thoughts, your wicked ways, and you would return to the Lord, so He would have compassion on you and our God would freely forgive you. That that's the beauty of what we have in Christ. That even though all of this happens, our safety and security is found through faith in Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and help us hold fast to him and be safe and secure in eternity forever. You know today we're we're participating in uh, in remembering at the Lord's Supper. As we partake in the Lord's Supper, these elements of of, of a cracker and juice, right, of the fruit of the vine and And the bread resemble and and help us reflect on Christ's body that he gave us and Christ's blood that he shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. That in him we would be safe and secure. In him we would have compassion and grace. In him we would have forgiveness of our sins. And without him we would have nothing except for turmoil and fear. And And we would have, by the way, without him we would have everything to fear. But with him we don't have to be afraid. The psalmist writes, right? God is our refuge and strength, the helper who's always found. If you seek him with your heart, you're going to find him. He's always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. There's nothing to fear. Verse 2 says, uh, even though the earth trembles, the mountains topple into the depths of the sea. We see that in the Psalms in Psalm 102. It says, long ago, you, God, you established the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 26 of Psalm 102, it says, they will perish they what, the things that God created. So again, we're like, if we're on that fencing and it's going to get better, it's not going to get better. They will perish, but the psalmist says, "But you, you God, will endure. All of them will wear out like clothing. You will change them like a garment, and they will pass away. But you, God, are the same, and your years will never end, and your servants' children will dwell." securely. There's that safety. There's that security. There's that refuge. There's that strength. There's that help. You will dwell securely, and their offspring will be established before you. What does it mean to be established before God, in this sense? It means that you and I can stand safe and secure before him through our faith in Jesus Christ. Then verse 3 says, though its waters roar and foam, in Psalm 46, and the mountains quake, with its turmoil, there is this quaking, this shaking that is going to happen. And, and you and I, in that struggle, are, we find ourselves quivering at times with fear. We find ourselves who should be unshakable shaken. Isaiah says, therefore the God said, look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Who is he speaking of here? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's the stone he's laid. And it says, the one who believes in him will be unshakable unshakable. I don't want to be shaken. I want to be able to stand securely, even though everything else around me just falls apart. I can stand secure in Christ, and so can you. God is the fortress for those who turn to him in faith. Everything else will fail except him. God is our fortress, and he is our fortress even as creation itself unravels. Number two, God is our fortress, and what we see in the next part of the psalm is this. That his city is strong and secure. The place he dwells is a place of safety and security. It is strong and secure. In Psalm 46, let's look at verses 4 through 7. And, and again, we just came off of verse 3, right? Verse 2 and 3, where, it's, where it says that the, the waters roar and foam, right? There's this ragingness about the sea and this anger about the sea, this, this destruction that's put in with that. And then he talks about another body of water. He says, there's a river. And its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. It's, so there's a contrast here between the raging sea, the torment that's out there that would shake us otherwise, to this river that says, I'm, This river brings delight and joy to the city of God, nourishment and peace to the city of God. Uh, we see this language of streams in Psalm chapter 1. It says this How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked? or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers by the way that's as we leave these doors right that's the struggle that's real but how happy is one who doesn't go there instead his delight is in the lords instruction so god's word and he meditates on it day and night he is like a tree planted beside flowing what streams waters same language here flowing streams and flowing waters It bears its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever He does prospers. See, rivers and seas might rage, but His river, His streams, bring joy and delight, and they bear fruit in our lives. That's what we see happening here. That's what the psalmist understands. goes on, Psalm 46, verse 5, says, God is within her. Who's her? The city. The city, God's city. God is within His city. And she will not be toppled. If you look at verse 5 and underline that, not be toppled, right? Because if we take not be toppled, what are we contrasting that with? Everything that was, right? In verse 2, therefore we will not be afraid, even though the earth trembles, the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, uh, the the waters foam. So everything that will topple and be destroyed, guess what will not? His city. She, the city, will not be toppled. God will will help her when the morning comes dawns some neat imagery here I, I, there's a reference in your bulletin to this verse in Exodus but that morning dawns is that same ver, same verbiage same language that was used in Exodus when Moses um had spread out his uh, had spread out his staff and the remember the sea parted and all the Egyptian army followed them into it right and then as the morning dawned remember what happened the enemies of God were no more The power against Israel was no more. God's people were safe and secure because he brought about mercy when the morning dawned. God will help her when morning dawns. In verse six it says, the nations rage, kingdoms, I love this, kingdoms, they topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I want to read out of Revelation chapter 21, I noticed that you know, Alistair said, read out of 19 last week. Um, and, and in Revelation 21, it says this. It's a, a vision from God to John. And he says, then I saw a new heaven. We we're talking about the city of God. A new heaven and, and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Remember that raging sea? No more. And I saw, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down uh, from heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. of some imagery there of Psalm 45. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. No wonder the city is safe and secure. Again, God is with us. Remember, if we go back to the Psalm, uh, he's a mighty fortress for us, but it's because he is with us. Verse 7 and verse 11 And and when that new heaven comes down, that new earth is established, and that new city is there, it says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I mean, we hold on to this promise, don't we? No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. This This is what we have to look forward to. This is the hope we have, a city that is safe and secure. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making... All things what? New. Do you realize that our struggle, you and I, as we struggle, our struggle as we walk out those doors is not with making all things new. It's because all things are old. And they're worn out. And there's birthing pains. And people are hurting and lost. And there's sin that just so easily ensnares. That's why the struggle is there. But in God's city, what we have to look forward to, and why there's safety and security, is He will wipe away all the pain and suffering. And he will make all things new. That's why it's going to be secure. That's why it's going to be so amazing. That's why it's heaven. I'm making everything new, he said. He says, right, because these words are faithful and true. He's the one that's faithful and true. Then he said to me, I, it is done. I am, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Isn't that an amazing stream he has there for us? Will you ever be thirsty? Not there, you won't. Not there. And he'll freely give from the water of life. Verse 7 of Revelation 21 says this. The one, here's, the, here's the charge. The one who conquers will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. The one who conquers. And it almost makes us seem like now we've got to work really hard. We've got to fight really, really hard to, to win the battle here. But what we know about the Scripture is that you and I can't fight hard enough. We can never accomplish enough to win that battle on our own. In fact, today as we partake in the Lord's Supper, what we're saying is that, that we're the ones who conquered because He's the one who conquered. Amen? Christ is the one who came. The, the mere fact, and I say, I say this all the time because it's the good news, right? The mere fact that God, the God of the universe put on human flesh was not to like show you a good way to live. It was so that he could conquer sin and death once and for all as he offered himself as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. That's what the God of the universe did. He's the one who conquers. So to the one who conquers, you and I, we only conquer if we have let him conquer in our heart, in our lives, over our own sin. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, there's nothing about us walking down the aisle or receiving the cup in the seat. There's nothing about us saying, man, I've done such a great, great job. I have conquered this. I've got it down. Drink up. That would be an unworthy manner to partake in the Lord's Supper. When we partake in the Lord's Supper, when we receive the cup and we partake of the bread, we are saying, God, thank you. Thank you for conquering. Thank you for being the one who conquers and, and that we ultimately get to receive the blessing and benefit and conquer, our, conquer because of you who conquered on our behalf. So there's the one who conquers. We'll get this. The one who conquers can be safe and secure. The one who conquers can have no pain and no crying and no death and no despair. The one who conquers is the one whose God, God is their mighty fortress. But the cowards, it's interesting he leads off with cowards. Then he says, he describes as faithless. The cowards and faithless. You know what's the greatest coward of all? Is not asking for help. Not saying, I can't do it. The greatest coward is the one who pretends that they have it all together that they, they can accomplish it when they really can't. It's the one who says, I, I need help. That's filled with faith. He says, but to the cowards, to the faithless, to, and then he goes on to describe what the sinful world looks like. To the detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and to the liars, their share, their share, like we have, a, the conquerors have a share in God's city, but their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There's real judgment there. And and all the while, the Scriptures say, seek him while he might be found, that he might have compassion and forgive your sins. This is a gracious God who says, I want you to be a conqueror, but you have to know that I was the conqueror and you need me to conquer for you. Turn to him in faith. The only place safe and secure is in Christ. If you want the protection of the king and his city, you must put your faith in him. I want to read a quick passage out of Luke 21. Jesus is speaking about this. Talking about signs of the times, the end times. It says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. There will be anguish on the earth among the nations, bewildered by the roaring of the seas and the waves. Sounds familiar? Sounds like yesterday. Sounds like tomorrow, right? People will faint from fear and expectation of the things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. God's like, it's, it's going to get real. You think? You, here's what I would say. You haven't seen anything yet. It's going to get greater and greater and worse and worse. And it says, but then they will see the Son of Man coming in on a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, stand up. And lift your heads because your redemption is near. Again, we don't have to be shaken. God God has set a way for us to be safe and secure in Him. He is our mighty fortress. God is our fortress, and He is with us. So, for those who conquer, right, those whose faith is firmly planted in the one who is faithful and true, though everything around us may topple, we will not be toppled. Because he will not be toppled. Amen? And and by the way, that's what we celebrate. As we come to the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, we we say, he he won't be toppled. There's victory in him. Nothing can shake him. Nothing can usurp him. And in fact, that's the final piece of this psalm in Psalm 46. God is our fortress number three. And through him, peace is established. Through him, peace is established. Look at uh, Psalm 46, 8 through 11. Come and see the works of the Lord, who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. This language is also found in Psalm sixty six. We actually Jeff read that a little while ago in five five through seven. It says, Come and see the wonders of God. This is the wonders of God as his works, <clears throat> his acts for humanity are awe inspiring. He turned the sea into dry land. That's what we talked about with Moses and the Israelites coming out from Egypt. And they crossed over the river on foot. Uh, There we rejoiced in him. He rules forever by his might and he keeps his eye on the nations. The rebellious should not exalt themselves. So what we see now happening is this this self-exaltation. I, I mentioned this at the beginning, right? When we walk out those doors, the temptation is to exalt yourself, to be better, to do better, to realize that you can have more if you just try harder. That is the temptation. And, and from Satan, as always, did God really say he didn't want you to be God? That's the lie. And we believe that, and that struggle is real. Like, yeah, he wants me to have all this, this prosperity and, and health, and he wants me to have all this happiness and joy that's in the world that the world has to offer. And, and God's like, wait a minute, the world's ending, it's going to be gone, everyone's fighting against me, and I'm going to triumph over it. But part of that is go out and just have joy in the world, it's going to be great for you. The psalm says, no, it's not. And the Lord is the one who brings devastation. He makes war cease. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. This is a God of gods, the one that will be exalted. In that very next verse, verse 10 of 46, in view of this God who makes war cease, who brings devastation, who shatters bows, then this charge is for you and me. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. And he says, I will be exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. We spend a lot of our time, hopefully not, but I think we do, trying to exalt ourselves and exalt our own case and plead our case. And, and God's like, stop, stop fighting. Stop warring. Stop being at war with me and let me be the one that is exalted. And he will. He promises that he will. He says, The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So the promise is stop fighting. I'm right here. I, I, I've, I've shared this many times before, but one of the things I, I, I've talked about with my kids, um, we, out of James, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? So I use this now, my kids know this. Like, hey, Hey, they start arguing, hey, what starts fights and quarrels among you? The verse goes on, doesn't it come from the desires of your heart? Isn't that true, right? I, I want what I want, so I'm going to fight you until I get what I want. If I would just let go of what I want, there wouldn't be a lot of fighting going on, right? Humble myself instead of pride, That's what that has going on, right? There's a, there's a stop to fighting. So what starts fights? What starts fights and quarrels? The desires from in my heart. So if you're finding yourself not at a lot of peace with a lot of people, Not a lot of peace maybe with God or the church. or There's a fight going on in your heart that you aren't yielding. You're not saying, I'm going to stop my fighting. I'm going to know that he's God. And maybe I'll bow and bend my knee to him. After all, look what he's done for me in the cross. And it came to reality for me when, as a young young man, I feel old every day. I had young kids about 10 years ago. uh, Let's say it was not. It was eight years ago, my daughter beautiful, perfect little girl. I always call her perfect. She's perfect Bailey, right? And as, as, I remember I, I was in her room, and, she, and, and I've told this story I'm sure before, but I, I, I grabbed onto her. This is when this verse became real to me. Instead of the, be still and know that I'm God, it really became real. Because I, I said it without understanding it to my daughter. And then I understood it. So I'm her daddy, and she's, she just, it's a two-year-old, right? The, the is it terrible twos? Is that what it is? The tantrum twos. And, and she was just wanting to throw a fit. I just, I just picked her up. I just I held her in a hug right here, right? And she is flailing and kicking and screaming. My like, good grief, my word, what are you doing? And, and, and I got this, in my heart, I got this check. And, and what I said, I, I, as she's kicking and screaming and fighting. I said, Bailey, stop your fighting. I am your daddy and I love you. And I about lost it. I just about lost it. Why? Because this verse, what I said to my daughter, became real with me understanding that I am the terrible twos tantrum throwing kid that's in my father's arms fighting him all the time. And all he says is, Brandon, stop your fighting. I am your father and I love you with everything I've got and I will triumph for you. Don't we wish as parents that that our children really understood that part of our heart? I think they get little bits of it, and as they, as we grow, we start to be like, oh yeah, our, our parents really did love us. They really did have our best interest at heart. But I was sure, I was sure that I was my fight was real and it was worthwhile. And all the while it wasn't. What was, what was given to me, what was offered to me as a child was, was peace and rest in my parents' arms. The same is true for us today from God. We are fighting, we are kicking, we are screaming, we are going about our own way, we are resisting him. And we're pushing him aside. And he's saying, stop your fighting. And know that I am God. And I I love how he says, I will be exalted. He's like, I am God. I I will always be God. You can't make me different. I will win the battle. So it's best just to be like, okay, I'm good. And stop fighting. Because the harder you fight, the one who's going to win the battle, the more hurt you are going to get. And, And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want to spend my life fighting and struggling against a God who loves me and wants what's best for me and who has already won the battle and victory for me, that he has already conquered and triumphed for me, and that if I would just stop my fighting and rest in the exalted one, that I would find real hope and real joy. I wouldn't thirst anymore, and I would, I would be in real rest and peace with God that's what he's offering but the charge for you and for me is to stop fighting stop fighting and know that he is God and he will be exalted he will win last passage today is out of Psalm 33 beginning in verses 6 and going through 12 it kind of I believe sums up what we've talked about the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of His mouth. He gathers the water into the, of, the, uh, of the sea into a heap. He puts, uh, puts the depths into storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Why? Because He will be exalted, right? For He spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it came into existence. The Lord then frustrates the counsel of the nations he thwarts the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Listen, not only is it a God warring for your heart to stop you from fighting, but, but as, as the earth unravels, as people battle against each other and, and, and against Israel, and then as the world itself comes against the Lord Almighty, He will have the victory. He will frustrate the counsel of the nations. He thwarts the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. This is what we are left with. This little beatitude at the end of Psalm 33. Happy is, happy or enjoy at rest in peace with God. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I would encourage you, happy is the heart of a person who has made Christ their Lord. Savior. Then happy is a people whose God is the Lord, the people that he has chosen to be his own possession. It's special and unique that God has called us to this. Happy are we to be the secure possession of the triumphant one. It is Christ. It is Christ who triumphed over sin and death for us, and through faith in him, we will be secure because He is with us, and He is our fortress. Amen? So it's so special for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to uh, partake here in a moment uh, of the Lord's Supper, and I'll invite those who have asked to, to serve the Lord's Supper to come up and, and just uh, stand here in front for a moment. We're, we're going to partake. And, and it's, it's super important as we come, and you know, I, I preached on this last month, the Lord's Supper, and, and how, how it's supposed to be done in this worthy manner. And number one is this, the worthiest manner is this, that that a person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, who is a believer in Christ, comes partaking, saying, I am nothing, but he is everything. I have done nothing, I have accomplished no work, but he has triumphed over it all. The Lord's Supper is all about the triumph of the triumphant one. Amen? So as we come together, we're going to invite our children to come back in. I think they're gathering them up and, and bringing them in. Uh, but one of the things that we've talked about over the last several months is is really trying to make sure that our time together here as the family of God and as little families in the pews and big family together is is reflective so that it's not a conversational time. It's like, oh, let's just talk about something uh, after church, what's going on. It's a reflective time about the triumphant one and and all that he's paid for. And as as it's a reflective time, it's also a reverent time. That we, we exalt Christ in this and that, that it's a teachable time of reverence. So as our children come back in and they're with you, sitting there in the pews next to you, conversations should be had about teaching about the reverence of the Lord's Supper and what it means. That, that's the conversations that need to go on is the little ones in the pews there. Other than that, it's this time of, of reflection and, and really saying, God, I, I, want, I, I want to know you better. I want, to, I want to yield to you more. Now listen, if you aren't one who conquers because he has conquered for you and you put your faith in him. This isn't for you. This doesn't mean anything to you. It's, it's a little thing of juice and a, maybe a stale cracker. And what, what was more meaningful in this time for you if you have not put your faith in Christ? Listen, we're not, we're not here to judge you. We, God, God can be your judge on judgment day. We are not here to judge. We don't want you to just be like, oh, I fit in, I'm, I'm with you. We want you to observe we want you to, I want you to look around and see the real life difference, the conquering one Jesus Christ has made in the people who put their faith in Him. And that as they partake, and as they reflect, and as they give this moment of, of reverence to the Lord, that, that you would be moved by that. So feel, don't feel any, any uneasiness about passing it by and not partaking. The other thing is this, if, if you're a believer, and, and you, you're, not, you're not ready here, you're battling, your struggle is still real, and like you're you're like grinding your teeth right now at what I'm saying because I I still I don't want to. Then you probably should pause and like part not partake. You probably should skip it as well. The the unworthy manner is to say I'll get I'll get this figured out. Quit telling me what to do. That's an unworthy manner. The worthy manner is Jesus has paid it all. All to Him I owe. He's the conquering one. He's the triumphant one. I am going to partake in remembrance of Him. That's the worthy manner. So whatever wherever you're at, whatever you need to do right now you know. And I, and I pass this off to you to make that decision. As, as, we, as we serve this Lord's Supper to you and, and pass it down the aisles, you think, you pray, you reflect. We're going to have some time of silent instrumental just where you can do that. And then we'll start singing. And, and, and maybe you just need to listen to the lyrics sung to your heart. Maybe you need to say them and sing them as a prayer or whatever, whatever it is to make this time reverent and reflective and worthy in a worthy manner of remembering the Lord Jesus as the triumphant one, as the one who conquers so that we, through faith in Him, could be more than conquerors. Amen.